you would take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 9. We will finish that chapter today. Beginning at verse 9, God's Word reads, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Then on the second day, the heads of the fathers' households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches, and wild, and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and the square of the gate of Ephraim. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. And there was great rejoicing. He read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Let's pray. Father, you called us to worship. Lord, that uh, we should not be a people who are uh, uh, of gloom and despair but our hearts should be filled with praises. We should be joyful that we can assemble together in this place and worship you. Father, we serve a living God. And Lord, uh, that should bring joy to our hearts. Father, that uh, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, teach us how to be a people who love to come together to worship you, to celebrate the fact that we are the children of God, all of us who have believed in your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we uh, saw how the people were so given to hear the word of God back in Ezra's day and Nehemiah's day, and their hearts became pliable to the calling of God in their hearts and their lives. As Ezra the priest began his reading of God's word, 
we found out last week, that he offered a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. And what did the people do after they heard the prayer of thanksgiving? They, they all shouted out, Amen, Amen. And then they lifted up their hands. They, they bowed low before the Lord and they worshiped God. So as we come to the first verse of our text for today, that is verse 9, we find the people in a state of mourning. Their hearts are broken. Tears are flowing from their eyes. And here's what we read in verse 9. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Church, pay attention to what the word tells us. We must not allow the brokenness of this world, nor the wickedness of humanity, nor the fear of what is to come rob us of the joy we're to have when God gives us an occasion to rejoice. God has given you an occasion to rejoice today. There's all kind of sickness out there in our world. If you paid attention to the news this week, we got crazy people in this world. But it is not a cause for us to mourn and weep. It is a cause for us to rejoice in the fact that we have a God who will vindicate his people and he will allow justice to flow down like waters. We should not be in despair of what is happening in our world. These are indicators that Jesus is coming back. If there's anything to excite our hearts, it ought to be that, that you belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's got everything under control. We're worried about what one country's going to do, what another country's going to do, who's got nuclear weapons, who's got this kind of weapon, who's got money, who hasn't got money, who's this kind of government, who's that kind of government. Listen, we've got a God who's in charge of all of creation. We come here to rejoice and we honor and we praise that God. It's not a time to weep and mourn. There'll be weeping and mourning and wailing and gnashing of teeth when those who are destined for hell will find their, fi their final abode. But that is not the church. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Does that not stir your soul? The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 61.3, Give them, that's the people of God, give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We are to dress ourselves, I don't mean physically, but spiritually dress yourselves with praise. The garment of praise. Dress yourself with praise. Church, when we come together, we come together to celebrate our God. When we join together, it's to be a time of rejoicing. Verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I asked David who's going to sing that song. He says, no, we're not going to sing that one. But that's, that goes back about five million years, doesn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
I would sing it for you, but you wouldn't want me to do that. Paul tells us in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ, listen, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen, that doesn't sound like some dried up old service, does it? It sounds like that when we sing, our voices ought to be raised up to heaven. We ought to rejoice in the fact that we can come here together and sing and pray and hear the word of God. Worship is to be, as the scriptures say, as it should be, oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy, Psalm 47, 1. When the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Ephesians 6, 11, now listen to this. In Ephesians 6, 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. Do you know what most people think of? Well, I, I'm going out there and this is going to be my last battle. You know, I'm going to die here. Let me tell you something. We, we are fighting a foe that's already been defeated. When he says, put on the armor of God, uh, we should do so with a joyful heart, not as though that this is our last battle unto death. Friends, our foe has been defeated. It's time for rejoicing, not weeping and wailing. It's time to rejoice. We are to come to this place with our hearts filled and fueled with praise. Verse 10 clearly tells us, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, look at verse 11 of our text. Verse 11 says, So the Levites calmed all the people. Man, listen, we need some calm people here, but happy people. The Levites calmed all the people. Be still, for the day is holy. Be still, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. You know what today is? It's just not Memorial Day. And you know, Listen, we, we, should, we should be thankful for those who have given their lives, men and women both, given their lives for the freedoms that we have. And thank, just praise the Lord for them. Thank you for that service. But this is the Lord's day. It does not belong to the world, nor does it belong to the flesh, nor does it belong to the devil. Jesus in John 4, 23 says, True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. That tells us that worshipers that God desires, that God desires to worship Him are to worship Him out of the fullness of the supernatural life that they have in the Holy Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God in you. You are alive in Christ. Paul says, it is Christ in you who is the hope of glory. So why should we come to church doleful and doubting and in denial what God has given us? We come, sometimes we come in and say, oh man, it's time for church. You know, it's Memorial Day. It's about people who've died in the service, right? I don't mean the 8 o'clock or 1045 service. But sometimes we act like that. Oh, man. I know when we come to church, say, you know, 
preacher's going to preach for 35 minutes. It's only five minutes gone. He's got another 30 minutes to go. When is this going to end? When is this going to end? <laughs> you know, there ought to be another Christian song out there, Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> when the people of Jerusalem heard the word of God, the, the Spirit of God brought them to a place of brokenness and repentance. So listen, that's a solemn occasion. But you know what happens after that? When the Spirit of God brings you to a place of brokenness and repentance, you know, you know what ought to be in your heart the very next thing? How about a smile? How about some, how about some happiness? How about some joy? How about some life? And the day of worship then, listen, the day of worship then presented them a heart of gladness and rejoicing. When you come here, it should be with enthusiasm. The heart should be excited. It should be rejoicing in the fact that we're all coming together as brothers and sisters and we all have one thing in common, that we all know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that we're all brothers and sisters together. Someday we're going to be in glory. And folks, think of this, Baptists with Pentecostals and Methodists and Presbyterians, maybe a few Lutherans. And the Lutherans. <laughs> Listen, all those, listen, I don't care what denomination it is. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, brothers and sisters together, we should be rejoicing in that fact. Heaven is a place of diversity. It's a time of celebration. But now, let's pay attention. There's a second portion to this. We need to pay attention to the second portion because the first really fits into the second. The second portion goes from verses 13 through 18. The, the priests, Levites, and scribes found these words in God's law. It says that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. That means in tabernacles. And, the, and you find that in Leviticus 23, 34. And, and that, that feast of tabernacles or, the, or that feast of booths is, is found sometime in mid to late October. It is, it is at the end of the harvest season. They have gone through, they have gone through the, 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 the early spring where, 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 where the crops and the seeds have been planted. The crops are grown. They've been harvested. Now they come to the place of the final harvest. The, the last harvest. And, and the people of Israel, because it's not like people today where we have these giant pivots and fields and water sprinkled. They didn't have all that. Do you know who watered the fields for them? They're crying for rain. God send us rain. We need rain because they needed rain for their fields. If they didn't produce harvest, they didn't live. They're agricultural. If you live in a country where the, where the, where the, where the main industry is farming, you need rain. Rain is God's blessing 
Rain, listen, rain is God's blessing. We sing one of those old traditional songs, there shall be showers of blessing. When it rains, you ought to thank God. He's allowing us to live. We need water. We need water to live. In verses 13 through 18, it talks about the priests and the Levites and the scribes found these words in God's law. It says that the sons of Israel should live in booths. They should live in booths. And they did so. They would, these, these booths were there for seven days, and the people would sleep in them, and they would eat in them, and they would live in them for seven days. And these booths were made of branches of myrtle, and willow, and palm. And then in later years, in Jewish history, in later years, they would be tied together. And they would take these branches, and they would tie them together. And they would add a fourth branch to it, which is called a citron, or a citrus-type fruit, like a lemon. And they would tie these twigs together. They would build these booths, and they would have the thatched roof of these twigs on it. And they would live in it. But in later years, they would take these... Take this myrtle and willow and palm and this citron or citrus fruit. And as my Jewish neighbor told me, he would, they would take it and, and he would he'd say that they would just hold it like this and they would wave it and they would wave it and they would do so as the people would say the halal. And the halal is, was a collection of psalms between 113 and 118. And the people would recite that. And the this. These branches are called the lulab. And this lulab, at the reading of the Psalms, would be waved in the air at the opening verse of Psalm 118. The opening verse of Psalm 118 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And they would wave it, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And joy would fill their hearts. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Boy, church, we need that. Church, if there's going to be renewal and revival and restoration and repentance in a church, we need to understand that we need to give thanks to the Lord for He is good. There needs to be joy in our hearts because we serve a God who is good. The ceremony of pouring out water was the first event of each of the seventh day. On the morning of each day, on the morning of each day, beginning at the first day up through the seventh day, there would be a procession of priests and they would, they would go from, the, from where the temple was at and they'd go all the way down to the end of Nehemiah's wall from the top to the bottom of Nehemiah's wall. And at the temple, they would start at the temple where the altar was at and they would go down in procession and the high priest would carry down this golden bowl and they would walk down, they would walk down to the pool of Siloam and there he would dip that bowl into the pool of Siloam and then they would come back and they would walk back to the, all the way back up to the temple, to the altar of the temple and then they would circumnavigate, they would walk around that altar seven times and then he would place that water into a golden bowl that was by the, by the altar. And the people would just watch that. Because that water to them was their life. The Lord provided that water. And they took it. 
They took it from the pool of Siloam and brought up to the altar a place of sacrifice. Lord, we give this to you. You've given it to us and we give it to you. Folks, what has God given you that you're willing to give back to him? Would you please turn to John 8 or John 7, 37 through 39. John 7, 37 through 39 in your Bibles. Or you might see it on the screen also. Let me read it for you. Now on the last day, this is the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles or booths that Jesus was involved in. It says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit whom whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus' words here are to be understood against the background of that Feast of Tabernacles or booze. During the feast... The people have their minds focused on rain, rain. Their minds were on rain. God provide rain for the springtime. God send rain for the final harvest in October for our October or Tishri for them. The people needed it both for for the life of the body as well as for the necessity of agriculture, for harvest. Jesus turns their attention, their attention to the, of the people, not to the need for water. He wants them to understand it's not about water, but to the deepest need of the soul and to how he would and could meet that need. Now listen very carefully. Verse 37. If you've been to a university, college, whatever, in those departments, it could be the English department, the math department, the science department, humanities department, whatever, basket weaving department, whatever, there is a person who holds the chair of that department. Isn't that right? The chair of religion, the chair of math, or whatever. That's the top dog in that department. Do you know why they call it the chair? Back in ancient times, when people taught, they didn't teach standing up. They sat down. The teacher sat down to teach. They held the chair. Jesus was on a chair. And listen to verse 37. It says, on the last day, Jesus stood Jesus got up. Jesus got up. Folks, this is important. This is important. He wanted the greatest number of people to hear what he had to say. And then he offers an invitation for the people who are thirsty to come to him. In him, the thirsty soul will find satisfaction that could be found nowhere else. If anyone is thirsty, 
He's yelling out. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Now you're getting a picture of tabernacles and the necessity and the focus on water. If you're thirsty, my friend, listen to me. If you're thirsty for, for something spiritual and something lasting, come to Jesus. It's very likely that these words of Christ were said on the eighth day. Not, not the seventh day where they would, every day they would walk down and grab the water from the pool and walk back to the temple. No, 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 not that, not that day. But on the eighth day, on the eighth day, on the great day of the assembly, when all the congregation came together, there was no water libation then. There was no going down and getting water. There was no pouring out of water. There was no water in sight. The people were thinking of, thir- of water. Their minds were the fact that we're saying to them, we're thirsty. God, we want water. We want water. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus says, let him come to me. It is possible that Jesus is wanting them to reflect upon Israel's wilderness journey. Do you remember when they wandered through the wilderness? They said, Moses, water. We need water. Water. And Moses struck the rock and water flowed out. Do you remember that story? For 40 years, for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness in the Sinai. Probably for every day of those 40 years, Moses, we need water. Water. First Corinthians 10.4, Paul writes this, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which, flo- which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus is the rock. He says in John 7.37, if anyone is thirsty, I'm the rock. Come to me. Because this rock has already been stricken. It flows freely. There's a river of life that flows flows freely from the throne of God. Put your hand in there. Put your cup in there. Fill it full. And drink from it. Have you done that? Have you done that? As we conclude, it would be good for us to consider the hearts of the people during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. At sunrise, at each of the seven days of the feast, the people would face west. They would face west toward the temple. And they would say this. This is what Jewish, what Jewish tradition says. This is what the Jews said. Our fathers, when they were in this place, turned with their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Why do they say that? They said that because what we find in Ezekiel 8, 16, 
Ezekiel 8, 16 says, Between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs, listen, with their backs, their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. They worshipped something that had been created. They worship the sun. Folks, what are you turning your back on? I mean, who are you turning your back on when you begin to worship something other than God? Are you turning your back toward God and you worship finance? Are you turning your back toward God and you worship friends? You turn your back to God and you worship fame? You turn your back on God and you worship Fortune, or listen, folks, very carefully to me. You turn your back on God and you worship family? What comes first? What does the commandment say? I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nothing before God. Nothing. Would you turn your back on God for anything in this created world? Anything. Would you turn your back on God? That's what Israel did. They turned their back on God. And they worshiped the sun. Because besides rain, you know what else you need? You need sun. Friends, What are you facing that you would turn your back on God? I share this with you. You know what the church needs to do today? First of all, we need to turn our eyes toward the Lord. But the other thing we need to do is we need to look up. We need to look up. We need to rejoice. We need to receive from the King of glory His abundance of rain that feeds and refreshes and renews and restores the soul. There's a song out. Years ago, there's a song out. And, and for some reason, uh, this song for years and years and years has stuck in my mind. And, and I find myself sometimes when I'm taking a shower in the morning, I'm singing the song. I said, why is this it just clings to me like some kind of cellophane wrap. It says, it's beginning to rain. Hear the voice of the Father. He's saying, whosoever will come drink of my water. He's promised to pour his spirit out on his sons and his daughters. If you're thirsty and dry, look up to the sky. It's beginning to rain. Listen, if you're thirsty and dry, look up to the sky. It's beginning to rain. Church, it's beginning to rain. Look up to the sky. Don't look look beneath yourself where all the problems and circumstances of life are at. Listen, those things are your footstool. Look to God. Receive from Him those those showers of blessings. Let Him feed your soul. Let Him be the harvest of your life. Face your eyes and your heart toward God and your back to everything else there is.
Let's pray. Father, I'm reminded of what Jesus says in, in John's gospel. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will be become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Father, you want to be that water of eternal life in us. Lord, you want us to rejoice in the fact that you're an eternal spring of life that keeps us fresh and refreshed every day. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you for its people. Now, Lord, bless them today. Lord, give them wisdom to understand your word. And Father, may your Holy Spirit work upon those whom you've chosen today to, 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 to act upon. I don't know who they are, Lord. You do. Lord, you're a sovereign, you're a sovereign God. Lord, you do what you want to do in our service today. In Jesus' name, amen.